guys who end up working with me and they're like, I've been in therapy. My therapist was just telling me I should learn to accept it and just be happy with myself the way I am. And I'm like, no, you don't have to accept premature ejaculation when it's attached to an anxiety in your life. You can work through that anxiety and understand that there are physical and mental and psychological and sexual methods and practices and exercises that you can use to get rid of PE. You don't have to just accept it. Why just accept it and struggle with it and feel shame around it when you don't have to? Why live a sex life you don't want to if you don't have to? Just because your therapist is uncomfortable talking about sex and doesn't understand it? No! Realize that there are professionals very uncomfortable with the topic of sex. And you can't just trust them because they're a therapist. You have to understand, okay, wait, do they specialize in sex? No. So maybe they're not the person I should be reaching out to. Welcome to What I Love About Sex, where some incredible guests and I, Steph Kanowski, will be bringing you the tools for improving your sex life with topics such as sex issues with your partner, sexual self-confidence, premature ejaculation, sexual shame, masturbation, sharing your fetishes, orgasmic pleasure, and more. Sex is still so taboo, and I personally believe that by improving our understanding and communication skills around sex, we can enhance our own self-pleasure as well as deepening our long-term romantic relationships. So listen in, try to stay open-minded, and let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the What I Love About Sex podcast. I did it, guys. I took out my fake boobies. It has been done. (laughs) I have to start off by letting you know that because that's what was going on last week. Um, And it's why I didn't put out an episode last week. I thought I would be able to, but recovery's been a little more intense than I thought. And um, it's been more than what Andrew thought also. (laughs) 24-hour caretaker for me the first week. It was really nice, not going to lie, being waited on hand and foot by my boyfriend. But uh, he was just amazing. Oh, my God, he was so good. And I couldn't be more grateful that the surgery went well and that Andrew was there for me every step of the way and that we found an apartment in Austin. Fell in love. We didn't even see the place. We saw a video and we we were like, we'll take it. It was like the Dumb and Dumber moment. But um, yeah. Oh, so excited. Such a productive trip. This week, I was supposed to get an episode out with uh, Andrew and I. As I told you guys, I was going to put out an episode of us doing a relationship check-in and then the assumptions that you guys submitted on Instagram. But due to the fact that Andrew is taking care of me nonstop, he's behind on work and his bunch of his friends are coming in to... Uh, the city. So yeah, there's a lot going on this week and he just couldn't sit down with me and do that. So we're going to do that next week. But I got a good episode for you this week, which is five myths you've been told about your sex life. I actually have never done a myth busting episode. So I, this, this will be good. And I came up with them really fast and I was like, oh damn, 
this is a good episode because these are all myths that you are constantly being told and they're not true and I'm going to debunk them. So before we go into that, um, I want you guys to know that my PE course is up and running uh, version 3.0 at this point. So if you are interested in overcoming your premature ejaculation and you need help and you also want to join us on the monthly calls, which most of the time it's only a couple guys and me, um, unfortunately, because I know a lot of you uh, with PE are not wanting to get on the call, but I am doing monthly calls at this point for you guys who join the course. So come on in when you get some one-on-one attention with me on a monthly basis And our next call is in two weeks. So you'll get the info once you join. But the details of the course are um, in the description below. And if you're struggling with delayed ejaculation, because often when I share my PE stuff, you guys will be like, well, I I last too long. I want to come sooner. I want to actually have an orgasm within 40 minutes, you know, within an hour. Um, I updated my DE masterclass, so that will also be in the description below. And what I mean by that is along with the masterclass, I added some bonus content that will really help you guys. So if you've already purchased the masterclass, go sign in and check out the bonus content. If you have never watched the masterclass and you want access to both the masterclass and the bonus content, then just go ahead to the description of this episode and you could buy it right now and have immediate access. And really what's within that DE masterclass and bonus content is everything, all the major points that I work on with my one-on-one clients to help them overcome their DE, their delayed ejaculation. So if you need further help, more individualized help, because you have a specific sticky scenario you're dealing with, you can always contact me for one-on-one help. But I put all of my, the gems of knowledge uh, that you need to know to overcome DE in that masterclass and bonus bundle. So hope it helps you. Go ahead and check it out. All right, getting into the myths. Five myths you've been told about your sex life. Dun, dun, dun. Um, Number one. Number one myth. You should just learn to accept your sex issues and challenges. You should just accept them. Er, False. I hear this from a lot of clients who come to me after working with a therapist that was a generalized therapist and is not comfortable with the topic of sex. This is something you guys have to be so aware of because if you go to general therapy, and even marriage therapy, unfortunately, does not study extensively on the topic of sex. So there are actually some marriage counselors out there that are not comfortable talking about sex. Like, what? Um, when I was studying sexology, I I heard, I, and I don't want to say the wrong thing. I really have to have all my numbers in front of me at all times. But it's something like they spend less than 10 hours or around 10 hours studying the topic of sex within marriage counseling programs. That's not enough because sex makes up a big part of what keeps the marriage happy and fulfilling. Not for all, and I will say that, but it's pretty important, right? So um, so if, especially if you're working with a general therapist 
who has not studied the topic of sex and they're not comfortable with sex as most people are not, right? Think about that. Like what makes a therapist any different? What makes your doctor any different? They're not. Most people are not comfortable talking about sex. Therefore, if you go to a therapist with your sex problems and you feel a little awkward and and maybe even shameful, rightfully so, right? If you never talk about this shit and you feel bad about it and you're going to a professional for help and they don't feel comfortable, they're going to shut you very easily shut down diving into the topic because they're the professional and you have too much shame to keep bringing it up to them, right? So if they shut you down, you're shut down and you're moving on. You're not, you're not dissecting that issue with them as you should. Um, so this is why I get so many one-on-one clients, guys who end up working with me and they're like, I've been in therapy and, um, you know, I mentioned it to my therapist and my therapist was just telling me I should learn to accept it and, um, and just be happy with myself the way I am. And I'm like, no, you don't have to accept premature ejaculation when it's attached to an anxiety in your life. You can work through that anxiety and understand that there are physical and mental and psychological and sexual methods and practices and exercises that you can use to get rid of PE. You don't have to just accept it. Why just accept it and struggle with it and feel shame around it when you don't have to? Why live a sex life you don't want to if you don't have to? Just because your therapist is uncomfortable talking about sex and doesn't understand it? No. So it's really important to get that whole idea out of your mind and realize that there are professionals very uncomfortable with the topic of sex and they are not, they're not looking into or learning about themselves sexually. They don't. It's not a topic that most people do, right? And you can't just trust them because they're a therapist. You have to understand, okay, wait, do they specialize in sex? No. So maybe they're not the person I should be reaching out to. Same with your doctor. You know, the amount of doctors who don't talk to their patients about the, the PE or the erectile dysfunction, they're just, they just immediately throw them on Viagra. It's like they don't even look at them in the eye. That's how awkward they feel even saying the word sex. They can't even say it, right? So there's so many doctors who also feel awkward or weird about the topic. So they write you a prescription right away. They don't ask you questions to understand where your PE is actually coming from. Like, are there Are there um, tests that you have to run to make sure that it's not a physical thing? Um, They they just immediately, they're like, okay, Viagra. You know, like they don't even ask questions according to all the men I speak to who tell me what a doctor visit's like when they tell them they have PE. And the guy, once again, like the guy with PE is too shame, is feeling too much shame to be like, hey, can I like tell you a little bit more about it before you just write me a prescription for Viagra Cialis? Like, he doesn't feel comfortable to do that, you know, especially with this male professional who's just, like, going to be like, dude, just take the prescription. You know, I'm sure he won't talk like dude, hopefully. Um, But you know what I mean? So you guys have to be really aware of this, that most people are not comfortable with the topic of sex, and that includes professionals. So unless you go to a professional who studies sex and who understands sex-related issues, like... Mwah, they're not going to want to talk to you about it. 
I want to talk to you about it. I want to fully understand it. I want you to feel comfortable talking about it with me. I want us to come up with a solution that's best for you. I want you to overcome these issues so that you're no longer feeling these challenges and so that you feel more confident in your body and your sex life and your dick and the way that you're functioning. Like I want you to get to the place where you want to get to and I want to be able to talk freely about sex and have you and be more comfortable than you are so that I can show you, hey, this is a topic we have to dissect and dive into. And it's fine to do so. It can actually be fun. It could be funny. It can be lighthearted. You know, that's why I'm so obviously comfortable with my clients to the point where they're like, whoa, okay. Like (laughs) I will say things on client calls where they're just like, okay, uh, can I share something that's a little out there? I'm like, give it to me. (laughs) Let's go. Because I want there to be such an obvious transparency of like, we can talk about this topic. And in fact, we have to in order to fix this. So I want you to find, if not me, work with someone who does that, who is so engulfed in the topic. They're so interested. They're interested in you. They want to help you. And they want you to overcome this issue, not just settle with it and just accept it as it is. There are certain things in life you learn to accept and there are other things that you don't have to. So don't make that your only option. Woo. Okay. Myth number two, you've had the conversation with your partner around sex, so it won't work if you have it again. Might as well give up. False. This means you didn't have it the right way. All right, if a conversation around sex is not working, it means your approach didn't work. Not to say your approach is wrong. A lot of the times it is (laughs) for most people because we're not taught communication. And it bugs me because life is about communication and having difficult conversations. Like how many difficult conversations have you had to have in life that you were not prepared to have because life did not prepare you, right? Our education system did not prepare us. Society doesn't make it normal for us to, to understand that, hey, like you're going to run into a lot of challenges. Maybe we should learn how to deal with them before they arise to help you. No, that doesn't happen. We're just like thrown into shit and, and especially around a topic like sex that once again is, is tied to so much shame and societal suppression that, you know, when it comes to a challenge plus sex, it's like, what am I doing? You're like a giraffe walking, a newborn giraffe walking on its legs as an adult person. You're like, shouldn't I know how to do this? No, you shouldn't because we weren't taught. We weren't prepped. Um, so when it comes to conversation around sex... When it, in handling uh, conflicts or challenges with your partner, a lot of people give up way too soon. And they give up in a way where they start expressing a passive form of communication or a sarcastic form of communication or an avoidant form of communication, which is still a form of communication, shutting down, right? So we choose all these paths of communicating that make it more comfy for us, but don't ever lead to the result we want. So it builds on frustration, right? Because if you're trying to talk about sex with your partner and your partner's not listening or you're not getting any answers, and then the next time sex comes up, you either, you make like a joke about it that's sarcastic. 
that one's a, a sarcastic joke will not get you an answer. It, it's just a form of like bringing the topic up and then shutting it down yourself so that you don't get hurt. That's your new tactic because it feels so awkward to directly approach this topic. So you make a joke about it. And then your partner probably even just gets pissed off about the joke, right? Like it doesn't do anything for you guys in terms of solving anything. It's just like, oh, there's that weird topic again. Uh, This is cringy. Okay, moving on. And you get in this habit of communicating so poorly with the sarcastic jokes and the immediate shutdowns and the, the passiveness. Like, oh, well, maybe if we ever talked about sex, we would know this. And walking away, right? That's a passive example. Like that doesn't get you anywhere. And... It's it's just you fall into these tendencies because when you brought it up the first time or the second time, you weren't met with an answer. So it becomes frustrating. So I want you to really pay attention to how do you approach conversations about sex? Like, how are you genuinely approaching them? Because if you aren't getting answers it's, I'll say it's two things. It's either because you're approaching it the wrong way with your partner or you are not, uh, you don't have the balls or the self-respect to stand up for yourself and create some form of ultimatum to get out of that relationship. All right, two things. You're either in one of these two categories. Either you know this relationship is good for you and you're like, all right, I just have to find the right approach. We just haven't found the right approach to talk about this together. Or it's the problem of I, I'm being as empathetic as possible. I feel like I'm doing everything I possibly can. And she's just shutting me down every time. There's nothing I can do because I'm, I'm constantly gaslit or shut down. Um, gaslighting, by the way, means your, your partner like makes you seem like you're crazy for asking a certain question or doing something, right? So an example of gaslighting would be you bringing up sex to your partner and your partner being like seriously you think we have sex problems like stop and walking away like that's a gaslight example anyway so you have to understand which of these two categories you're in and if you are taking the wrong approach you have to understand that when you're direct in handling a conflict with your partner especially around romance you want to be direct and assertive meaning you want to go in knowing what what answers you need from this conversation what what message do you want to deliver and what information do you need from her those are two things you need to know and then what is the action step you're going to take together so it's you her together all right Write this down. When handling a sex conversation, you need to A, be able to express what you know about the situation and what your need is. Number two, you have to be able to ask and be genuinely curious around her perspective, what she thinks about your need and what her need is. And then C, the last part, is the togetherness. Okay, what do we now do about this together? How do we tackle this as a team together moving forward? What can we both do for each other to fulfill each other's needs that we just shared with each other this next week? All right? I share, you share, we take an action together. Make sure you write that down. Rewind this and write it down if you have not written it down. Because that's, 
That's what makes an effective conversation. And then when it comes to delivery, you want to be direct and assertive. You want to show this is important to you. But you are also talking to another human being with feelings and probably feeling shame also and maybe some confusion, maybe some frustration. Who knows what feelings are in the room, right? So that means you're assertive and direct, but you're also empathetic and loving. This may seem like a lot, but it's really the tonality, guys, of of saying it like, hey, babe, I you know, our sex life is really important to me and I've been wanting to talk to you about this and I feel like we just have to, I have to get, like, address the elephant in the room and say that I think it's time we work on our intimacy, you know, like we've been, or work on our sex life. It's, we've been falling out of our habit of having sex and it makes me worried. It makes me feel like we're detaching from each other and I feel less close to you and I want to know, what I can do to be closer to you so that we can strengthen this part of our romantic relationship. Do you agree with me? What are your thoughts on that? See how that's loving, but it's also clear. I know I was a little fuzzy in the beginning because I'm improving this, but you know what I mean? It's like you're clear about, hey, I see an issue in our sex life, but I love you. I, I don't want to be distant to you. I want to be closer. I want to be close to you because I care about you. What are your thoughts? That's direct. It's also loving. It's also empathetic because you're like, hey, how do you feel about this? I know that you weigh into this as well. And that's how you have a conversation. If you're heated or you're frustrated, you tend to go into a conversation with only your needs and assumptions and a tonality that is only direct and assertive and lacks empathy and love. So if you're frustrated and you're heated and you go into this conversation, it's going to sound more like, you know, I just, what happened to our sex life? Like, what is this? What kind of marriage is this where we don't even have sex? It's it's fucked up. You know, like, when are we going to do it? And there are people who address the topic this way and think about how that's coming across to the partner. It just creates an awkwardness in the room. It doesn't get answers because it immediately puts your partner in defense mode. Because your partner's going to sense the fight and want to fight back. That's just how we are as humans, right? So when we can acknowledge and go into the conversation addressing, acknowledging that we're on the same team. Hey, babe, I love you, but this is a problem. Can you see how this is a problem and how we're distancing? But I want us to be closer. Do you see it? What do you want? That's coming from a place of love. Like, I'm leaning towards you. I want you. And this makes me sad that our sex life is distancing us. What do you think we should do? There's a totally different tone when you encompass empathy and love. Okay, so going back to this myth, if you feel like, oh, conversations never work, No, maybe the conversation tactic that you've used in the past didn't work because you were using the wrong tonality or you were going in with a frustrating frustrating, um, intention or energy or maybe you just, you didn't have A, B, and C in terms of me, you, we. So replay this section so that you can understand, okay, maybe it's time I rethink the way I, I bring up 
I bring up conversations around handling sex conflict. Maybe it's time for a change. And maybe that change will get me answers that I've been looking for. All right. Myth number three. Most women aren't into freaky stuff like anal. False. Most women are interested and curious in trying new things, especially like anal. I think it's like 50% of women wanted to at least try or at least did attempt anal and tried it. There are more that are interested but are just scared. Um, But that's not true that women aren't interested in freaky stuff. What most women need is more more comfort and more trust. So when there is emotional, a lot of emotional connection in the relationship, a woman will feel more trusting and more comfortable to try things that come across to her as more risky or risque, right? So if you're in a partnership that feels emotionally distanced, then that kind of stuff, that kind of freaky stuff that requires more communication won't be on her mind because she's not comfortable enough with you. And you could be married for 20 years. I don't care if you're married for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. If you guys are not talking about sex comfortably, forget the freaky stuff. It's most likely never going to happen. Because in order to do that freaky stuff, you need to be comfortable expressing to one another boundaries, sex communication, and having hyper trust and hyper awareness of each other's bodies and sensations and feelings. If she feels like you're not attuned to her body or her emotional well-being or feelings, and she's not feeling emotionally connected, she doesn't feel like you're present in the bedroom, then fuck no, she's not going to have anal with you. Because she's like, I can't trust his read on me. I can't trust that he'll be present enough to stop if I'm in pain or if I'm afraid when he's choking me. Like, if we attempt that. You know, like if you try these risky things, she wants to know she'll be safe. It doesn't mean she doesn't feel safe with you as a couple or as with you as her man. You could be the most like protective partner, but if you're not, if she's not feeling a certain level of emotional safety and sexual awareness safety, where she feels like you're present with her and you could read her body and you're there with her, she will not want to attempt anything beyond vanilla sex. And there's nothing wrong with vanilla sex. If you never want to leave that that scope, that area, that's totally cool. And if, you know, that's what your sex life entails and you're happy there, then stay there. But it is a myth that most women aren't into freaky stuff or don't want to try stuff beyond vanilla. And vanilla by vanilla sex, you know, I, I don't really like using this term. I shouldn't even have used it. But, but what I really mean is just penetrative missionary sex for the most part you know that goes that goes into doggy missionary and cowgirl and that's about it right and then and there's some kissing and whatnot and that's that's uh the sex which is great which can be amazing right I'm not talking it off like it's not good but you know what I mean all right anyway so if you feel like oh my woman would never go for that or she's told me never in a million years I would get curious and ask her 
You know, like there, you got nothing to lose at this point. If you truly believe that she'd never be down to have anal sex, then don't you at least want to know why? Or like you have nothing to lose. Might as well ask why. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe it will be something. Maybe her response is something like, well, I it's just my girlfriend did it and she said it was so painful. So no. And then you could say, really? Because I follow this sexologist and she says that for for a lot of women, their experience was painful because the guy went too fast and he didn't use a ton of lube. And that's why. And that for women who are really aroused, it's actually actually feels amazing. So. There are ways to be curious and open up that door Open up the back door, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, No, open up that door to that conversation again, where maybe you might realize, oh, wow, I know what her roadblock is and I know how to talk through this with her to the point where maybe we can actually attempt this because she'll have reassurance where I've done some research. I have some more knowledge. I can ask her, hey, what if I just rubbed the outside and we just stopped there are you okay with that are you cool with trying that if I used a lot of lube and rubbed with my finger what if we just did that like what if we just tried that would you be open to to just trying that and if no then okay no but at least it's out there and then if she's ever feeling when she's feeling more connected with you chances are she will say hey rub my asshole with your finger because that's an idea now planted in her head that she just needed to get to a certain point of emotional safety to be able to communicate that you can go there now. This is how this stuff works. And too many guys are so terrified of rejection that you ask one time and then you're like, nope, she said never in a million years. Oh, well, do you know why? No, you don't. (laughs) Have you ever tried talking to her? No, you didn't. Why? Like, talk about this shit. (sighs) Anyway, okay. All right, moving on. Myth four. Standing up for yourself will rock the boat, so you shouldn't do it. Er, False. Standing up for yourself, as a man especially, in the, uh, I shouldn't say that. Both people should always stand up for themselves, and it makes a world of difference. But I see so many men, because I work with only men, heterosexual men, not stand up for themselves out of fear of rocking the boat and they'll be like, oh, well, everything's fine in our relationship. I don't want to like say anything to rattle, rattle her up or change things or rock the waves. I don't know. That's not even a saying. (laughs) But when you do stand up, you earn her respect. And when you stand up for yourself, you actually fix your issues. I'm working with a client now who is trying to set a boundary around a situation between him and his wife and he was having a hard time and is still you know he's getting closer and closer I'm really proud of him because he got to this point where he's like you know what I have to say it's either this or that you know it's either this or me and that's it and sometimes you do have to get to that point and there are too many men that are afraid and not self-assured enough and not self-confident enough to actually say that to their women. Like, it's either you choose that or you choose me. There's no in-between. That's a perfect way to set the boundary, to set any, any boundary, because you're not, you're, it's black and white, you know? And it's, it's putting yourself at risk because you're saying it's this or me. And what if she just, what if she does choose that? 
holy shit, what would happen? Right? So that's why a lot of guys don't go there. They're like terrified that she wouldn't choose you. But why wouldn't she choose you? And if she chooses that thing, then maybe she's not the right woman for you. Because by choosing that thing, she's not respecting you. And don't you want to be with a partner who respects you? Don't you deserve that? Don't you want that? Isn't that important to you? So when you realize you can speak that way, you hold a sense of power. And of course, you don't abuse this power. You don't use it all the time. Oh, it's that or me, right? This is a very serious, this is when it comes to very serious boundary setting. Like my client, he has a very serious boundary to communicate to his wife. So that's why he has a right, um, I shouldn't say has the right, but it just, it makes sense for him to use this ultimatum that puts him in a place of vulnerability and risk, but it also puts her in the same place because he's like, you know, you're going to lose me if you choose that. I want to know if you're okay with that. And he's giving her the option. This is the difference between a controlling man and a man who sets firm boundaries and knows that he should be respected and knows his worth as a partner in this relationship. A man who knows he deserves respect and, and deserves that respect isn't afraid to say things like, it's either that or me. And then he's not afraid to also walk away in pain, he will be in emotional pain walking away. It's not going to feel easy. It's not going to feel good. But he has to do what's best for himself at the end of the day. And a woman who sees a man is ready to make that ultimatum has a higher level of respect for him because he did put himself out there. And he's, he's also allowing her to make the decision. And that's what creates a lot of the respect as well. The controlling guy who doesn't have stability in himself will be like, no, you can't fucking do that. Like, no fucking way. You're never doing that. He tells her what to do because he's terrified of losing her. So he has to pull out his controlling card and then she actually loses respect for him and gains fear because she has no, she feels like she has no choice. She's being yelled at, talked down to, and controlled. The man who gives her a choice is the man who is respected because he respects himself. So you have to respect yourself. If you're feeling like your wife is doing something, your girlfriend's doing something that's getting in the way of your marriage together, and you know it's either disrespecting your marriage or um, it's not for your marriage, it's not pro your marriage, if it's pulling you apart as teammates, Stand up for that shit. Don't allow it. I mean, stand up to fight that shit so you don't allow it. (laughs) All right? If you're being disrespected, flat out disrespected by the way that she speaks to you or the undertone, the comments that she makes around you in front of the kids, right? If you're not okay with that, you have to speak up and you have to say it. Don't be afraid of rocking the boat because... By you being afraid of rocking the boat, you are losing respect. Every single time you fear, you don't speak up for yourself out of fear of rocking the boat, you lose more respect from her and you lose more attraction. She finds you less sexy, less respectable, and more of a guy she can walk all over. Every time you don't speak up when you feel the need to. When, you, when your gut reaction is, I feel like this isn't right. I feel like I should tell her this isn't right. It doesn't feel right. We have to do this differently. Or I want to find another way to do this. I'm not okay with her 
making these comments around to me around the kids or to me at all. She has to know that. So trust me when I say that when you stand up for yourself, you will earn respect and you will actually get to the point of fixing your issues. When you fear rocking the boat, you will not fix your issues and you will lose respect and you will lose her attraction to you. Very important. All right. All right. Myth number five. You should know everything about a woman's body and be amazing at making every woman come while staying hard and lasting as long as an hour. (laughs) False. You shouldn't fucking know any of this. (laughs) I mean, should you have a certain amount of skill sets? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that, you know, there are certain skills that make you... I really hate using the word lover lately. I'm like, why do I use that word? I never use that word in real life. Why do I use it (laughs) on my podcast? Sex partner. Let's say that. I'm going to stick with sex partner from now on. All right. So... If you, yeah, like there's certain skill sets like, like kissing in a way we're not eating her face or bumping teeth to teeth, right? Like that's a skill set. That's something that you get better at. Some people are naturally just gifted at kissing and others need to work at it a little bit and be aware of like, am I smooth with this or do I have to relax my jaw more or do I have to avoid the teeth more, right? Like there are certain skills that you work on. Same with having sex, right? In the beginning, you're more like just jackhammering away. I'm sure the first time you had sex, you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I just watched a porn. I'm going to do whatever he did. And you're just jackhammering and she's not feeling anything. And then afterwards, it's like, wow, (laughs) that was weird. (laughs) I'm sure that's how most first times are. But anyway, And if you haven't had a first time yet, that's okay. You'll get there and you will have that experience. (laughs) And that's normal to have that experience because you didn't do it yet. So, you know, when you, when you learn the basic skill sets, that's, that's one thing to stay on top of these basic skill sets, right? But when it comes to making a woman orgasm, that's not always a basic skill set. Like, is there a basic skill set around going down on a woman? Yeah, there are some basic general guidelines to keep in mind where it's like, you know, use use your tongue, not your teeth. Um, but, but really what I'm thinking about right now is like, women can be so different. I mean, even I'm different now than I was a few years ago. Sometimes sucking feels good, but sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes the flat part of your tongue feels really good, but sometimes women would prefer the tip. And sometimes a lot of saliva is really sexy and sometimes it's not, right? So it's like, okay, there are these things that, you know, sometimes women want the up and down motion. Sometimes they want the side to side. Sometimes they want the labia focused on more. And sometimes they do want the clit focused on more, but not directly on the clit, just like around the clit. If you're directly on the clit the whole time, it's just way too sensitive. That's like general rule of overall when it comes to oral. But but see how there's like so many ways you can create pleasure for a woman, but unless you know that woman and at what phase of life she's in, in terms of her sexual pleasure enjoyment, you won't know exactly what to do with her. So 
Like, are there men in bed that can read a woman so accurately that they pick up on the cues immediately? Yeah, there are some guys out there that, <clears throat> there are some guys out there that I feel do pick up very quickly on a woman's body reaction. But that's not the norm. It really isn't. I've been with enough guys to know that is not the norm. It, it does happen and it's cool when it happens. It's like, wow, he like doesn't even know me, but he knows my body really well. That, that's impressive. But it's not necessary for every guy to get there. What's necessary is that you can communicate with each other while you're in a sexual pleasure zone. All right. So there are time, there are even times now where I have certain preferences one day and then the next week I would want something else. How is Andrew supposed to fucking know that? <laughs> He's not. So that's why I have to open up my mouth and say, hey, babe, do it this way. Like you did it that, t- like do it this way. And I just give encouragement. I give guidance because I know my body. I work with my own body during solo play. I learn about myself. I am familiar with my body and my needs. So therefore, I know my body best and I'm going to, in order to get the best pleasure, most pleasure from my partner, I'm going to let him know. I'm going to let him in on my secrets for that week. Okay. So you guys shouldn't just know what she wants at any time because it's impossible to. And then there are guys who will argue with me and be like, yeah, well, the right guys will know. No, they won't. All right. Like there are some guys who, like I mentioned, um, squirting the other day and then guys are like well the right guys know the technique (laughs) yeah that's true like if a guy knows a technique he can make a woman squirt without her ever being able to have made herself squirt but she still won't be able to engulf in the pleasure because she'll be like what the fuck is happening to me? (laughs) Most likely it won't be the most pleasurable thing until she has a better understanding of it and until she learns a little bit more about that part of her body. So it's not up to you to bring her the majority of pleasure. It's up to her. And it's up to you to understand your body so that you can also reap the benefits of the most pleasure. I have guys who are like, why can't I get... Why can't I get, um, why can't I get off from a blowjob? What's wrong with me? Right? But if a woman, but in our society, if a woman's like, oh, he didn't make me come eating me out. He sucks. Like, it's like, it's the guy's fault. No, it's our own fault if we're not getting to the point of orgasm. And I shouldn't, I don't like using the word fault, but we have to understand our body and our own pleasure in order to allow that pleasure to, Um, be expressed with another person and if as a woman you're really uptight and you're never masturbating or when you do you get really frustrated with yourself and then you give up before orgasm then yeah it's going to be really fucking hard to come with a guy and that's the case for most women sadly also the case from for many women I shouldn't say most women many women And also the case for many women, because I don't know the statistics, that's why I say that, but I know there's a lot of women because the orgasm gap is so big. There are so many more men. I think it's like 90% of men orgasm from sexual encounters with a woman and or with a partner. And for women, it's like 70% or something like that. So there's definitely an orgasm gap. And it comes from... um, Lack of communication, in my opinion, and lack of understanding of her own body for most women. 
They're not taking the time to understand themselves. And if you don't understand yourself, you can't communicate it with your partner. And your partner is not in control of your orgasm. Because a woman can fight, like if a guy's trying to make her squirt and she doesn't want to squirt, she will not squirt. Like, and and if he does hit all the right places and there's, um, and she is physically squirting, it doesn't mentally feel good or sexually good if she's not into it. So you have to be aware of that. So it's kind of like, I know I'm like knocking down guys for being like, hey, just because you make her squirt doesn't mean she's into it and loves it. And you're like, fuck. But it's important to know that you have to be in control of yourself and she has to be in control of herself in order to relax and let go. And then when you come together and you have the right skill sets and the right communication, you enhance what you could do by yourself. You know, that's what makes like a partnership so... um, so like sexy and different and like guys are afraid that a dildo will replace them. No, because when when a man who wants to understand me and understands my body and when I communicate with him, he listens and I'm having a sexual experience with him. It's so much better than me being by myself. And I'd say there are always times when self-pleasure is um, is more preferred Like maybe I'm just having a long day and I really do just want to get off. Like then, yeah, I'm going to prefer self-pleasure over partner pleasure, right? And that's just because of the context. But overall, when it comes to enjoyment um, of pleasure, then with a partner who knows you and wants to understand you and can communicate with you, it's so fun. It's so much better. It's so pleasurable because it's two bodies becoming one. (laughs) I'm so corny, but it just came out. It's too, it's too, (laughs) I'm thinking of that Spice Girls song, to become one. I forget how it goes, but I remember singing it when I was like eight years old. I had no fucking clue what it meant. (laughs) My mom was like, the Spice Girls are bad. Stop listening to them. And I was like, stop. (laughs) I love them. But anyway, um, so you get what I'm saying. I mean, hopefully you get what I'm saying. This, This myth was a little all over the place, but... I want you to just take the pressure off yourself. You're not supposed to know everything. What you are supposed to do is get better at, is work on your general skill sets as much as you can. You know, understand, oh, can I do a better job of slowing down my kissing or slowing down my touch or communicating with her when I'm going down on her or dirty talk. Like, can I look into dirty talk a little bit and see how I can improve that if that's something that she really enjoys or I really enjoy. You know, like look at the things that you want to improve and work to improve them. They're not just going to automatically come to you and they're not just going to naturally be there for, for everyone. Like some things you have to work at. Andrew wasn't good at dirty talk before me and now he's really good. <laughs> He just never did it before, but he knew I really liked it. So at first it was a little nerve wracking for him. And then I was very clear around the phrases that I like to hear. And he's like, well, now I just feel like I'm repeating the phrases. I'm like, yeah, please do. That's what fucking turns me on. (laughs) So when you have direct communication and when you know what to do and what your partner wants, it's freeing, right? Like it's like, okay, I know that she really loves when I do this. I know that if I ask her this question, she's going to be honest with me and she'll let me know what she needs today that's different from last week, right? So 
Get comfortable with the general skill sets you want to work on and get comfortable communicating with your partner and get comfortable knowing that no, you're not supposed to know every woman's body and be amazing at pleasuring them. You're supposed to be a good communicator. And when it comes to you staying hard and lasting as long as you possibly can, that's also not normal. And that's also not expected of women. So don't feel like you have to be hard, rock hard every second of every sex encounter and you have to last as long as possible. That's not the case. And you're not a machine. You are a human being. Okay? So you have to give yourself grace and you got to take the pressure off yourself, which is actually going to help your dick feel happier and do his thing. Like, let him do his thing. Stop putting so much pressure on him. <laughs> oh my God. I, yeah. All right. Just take the pressure off the guy. Anyway, those are the myths for today. I hope they were helpful. I know I went on a little tangent on that last one. Just had a lot to say. Sometimes I just have a lot to say. <laughs> And I'm not sure if it comes across confusing or very helpful. So <laughs> I'm going to hope you got some nuggets here and there from that last rant. Um, but that's it, guys. Once again, feel free to check out my PE course in the description of this episode, the DE masterclass and bonus content. And if you haven't checked out my sex meditations, then that is there for you as well. The sex meditations were created to help you guys become more in tune with your body on a sexual level so that you do avoid situations like PE and DE and erectile dysfunction and you know what pleasures you, you know what your body wants and craves and that comes with a level of confidence whether you're aware of it or not. I have found significant results for clients when I help them focus on their masturbation habits. And that's what I'm offering to you guys in this masturbation subscription. So check that out as well. And have an amazing morning, evening, or night, wherever you are in the world. I'll talk to you soon. I hope this episode helped you. If it did, I would love for you to leave me an iTunes review. It would mean the world to me. You can also screenshot your favorite episodes and tag me on Instagram at Steph Ganowski. And before I go, remember, your sex life is as good as you make it out to be. Until next time.